Man, I'm so blessed to be with you guys today, uh, being here uh, this weekend with the men's conference. It really was an extremely powerful time, men coming after God and worshiping him, and uh, it was powerful. I'm really blessed to be here this weekend. I just want to take a moment and honor your pastors, Troy and Penny. Man, uh, Amy and I, my wife and I, we, we know them as friends, and that means I get to talk to them when they're not here in front of you. And when they're offline and they can say whatever they want to say, and it's okay. And I just want you to know, let me tell you what they say. Are you ready? Okay, they're all leaning in, Pastor Penny. They want to know. I'm going to give you a secret, okay? They, first of all, they love each other. They love the Lord, and they really love you. And they're called to this church. They're called to this city. And you are really blessed to have such incredible leadership of people who have that kind of passion and love. And so will you give it up? for your leadership, Pastors Troy and Penny. Yeah, we're really, Amy and I just love hanging out with them and uh, we just like to travel and have fun and play some golf and encourage other pastors. And so it's, it's a real blessing. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. So uh, I'm married to the most incredible woman that's ever sucked air off the planet. Okay, and, and I'm not kidding. If you ever met my wife, Amy, you would know exactly what I'm talking about because she's the sweetest, nicest person you'd ever meet. You know how we all are, anybody in here rotten? Come on, just a little bit. You, you got some sin issues? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, how many of you are lying? Okay, all right. Uh, all right, I knew your church is not that good. Okay, how many of you are sitting next to someone and they got some issues? Come on, hey, right there. Okay, those of you that didn't raise your hand, let me tell you what your issue is. You think you don't have issues. All right, so. And so my wife is one of those people that she's so nice. I, she almost didn't need Jesus to get to heaven. You know what I mean? Like she, she's actually only made one bad decision in her whole life, and that was me. And it was a really, really bad decision, I can tell you that. We're going to be celebrating 25 years of marriage next month. Yeah. And uh, so for me, it's, it, you know, it's been great. And she's like, oh, it's been a long, I feel like it's been like, you know, seven minutes. You know, and she's like, well, it has been about seven minutes. It's gone by fast to you. But for me, it's been seven minutes like underwater. You know, I'm just like, I'm dying. Okay, so no. We have four kids as well, and, uh, you know, four kids is a lot of kids, and you think, you know, maybe I love kids, but I love my wife, and, uh, and that's, that's how that happens, so it's a whole nother sermon, but uh, I'll let them clean that up next week, you know what I'm saying, all right. So uh, I am, I'm super blessed to be here uh, today with you guys, because you're in a series called The Third Man. Pastor Penny kicked the series off last week, speaking here at your central uh, campus, and, uh, and, and it was incredible. She talked about how the Holy Spirit is, is a friend and he's personal and he's not just some force that's out there, but he wants to be involved in relationship with you. And I want to continue this series today talking about the third man and how the Holy Spirit can help us in our everyday life. And so here's what we're going to do. I gave you a, a handout note today. I know you don't normally do this, but uh, I gave one of these for you. This, if you would grab this, it's on your seat. And the reason why I wanted to do this, first of all, I'm going to cover a lot of content today. And actually, I probably won't even get to all the verses that are in here. What I wanted to do is resource you today. And so when you leave here, you can look at these scriptures later on. Uh, you can realize they're actually in the Bible. If I don't, you know, get to all of them, you realize it's not heresy up here, right? And so I'm really going to teach you the word of God. Another thing I wanted to do 
is to give you an opportunity to mark on these notes because I believe, here's what I believe, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you today. And it may not be anything that I'm saying. It's incredible because it happens to us as pastors all the time. We're in the foyer and people come up and they go, wow, when you said whatever, that was exactly what I needed. And we're going, just an insider tip here, we're going, I didn't say that, okay? <laughs> Do you know how that happens? That's the Holy Spirit, okay? And he's gonna speak to you today. And I want you, as he does that, write some notes in here. We're gonna look at these verses. We're gonna study the words that are in these verses and what do they actually mean in the original text, which is the Greek and the Hebrew. And I pray today, more than anything else, that you're resourced to go out and to live a life more empowered by the third man, by Holy Spirit. Okay, so here's our main passage today. If you look in your notes, it's in John 14. Now, in the book of John, 14, 15, and 16, all three of those chapters, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. Most theologians would tell you that we're probably in the last 12 to 15 hours of the life of Jesus. So it's kind of some final words of encouragement before he leaves this earth and he's talking to them. He's actually saying, listen, all kinds of bad things are going to happen, but don't be troubled. All right, don't be discouraged because actually what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna send someone else and they're gonna be able to help you even more than I can. All right, and that's the Holy Spirit. Let's look and see what he was saying in John 14. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. In other words, the things that I'm saying, you're gonna be able to go live these things. And then he explains how. And I'm gonna ask the Father and he's gonna give you another comforter. Everybody say comforter. Come on, everybody, you got mouth actually has to move in order to say stuff. Let's try it again. Say comforter. comforter. All right, you can circle that in your notes as well. He says, my father is going to give you another comforter. And it says, look, he's never going to leave you. That's an encouraging word there. Verse 17 says, he is Holy Spirit. And he's going to lead us into truth. The world cannot receive him. It says, because they aren't looking for him. And they don't recognize him. But however, you know him because he lives with you. And now, and he's going to live in you. But I am telling you these things while I am on this earth, while I'm with you. But the Father is going to send the comforter. There it is again, circle it in your notes. I'm going to send this comforter as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. And he was going to teach you everything and remind, remind you of everything that I have told you. Okay, would you do me a favor? Put your notes and things down. Would you turn off all the distractions and all the things that you're gonna have to go do when you leave here or who's with you or maybe who's not with you that you wish were here? Let's turn all that off for a second. And would you close your eyes and let's get our attention on the Lord. I wanna pray and dedicate our time here. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come here. And everyone that came here today, whether they're watching online or they're in this location right here, they came here because they're, they're searching for you. They're leaning into you. And God, you never disappoint us. Anytime we seek after you, God, we always find you. So I pray today that as we study your word, that it would come alive to us. Help us to see things that we've never seen before. So we can understand things that we've never seen before. So we can go live our lives in ways that we never have before. So I ask, Holy Spirit, be the guest of honor. Speak to all of us here today. And I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I pray Randy doesn't get in the way. And God, may you be front and center, be the guest of honor. And we'll leave this place different than we came. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... 
Amen. All right, now I had you circle that word comforter. When my wife and I first got married some 25 years ago, we had been saving up this money right after we got married because she wanted to buy this comforter for the bed. The ladies are laughing, okay? Because that's an important thing to a woman, right? This comforter. And she bought it, and I remember it was on the bed that day, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, this thing is going to be awesome to sleep with because it's fluffy, and it's big, and it's going to keep me warm, and this is going to be great. And I couldn't wait that night. And then it was time to go to bed. And I walked into the room, time to go to bed, and the comforter was gone. It's like somebody jacked that thing, you know? I was like, Amy, where's the comforter? And she said, oh, no, we don't sleep with it. Go, <laughs> these ladies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All the men are like, yeah, what the heck's up with that? Okay. She goes, oh, no, it's for show. We don't use that. And I have learned there are a lot of things in my house that are not for use. We have towels in our house. And if my hands are wet because I washed my hands, I do not get to use them. It's for show. Come on. You know what I'm talking about, brother, right? Come on, man. Right? You don't use it. It's just for show. Okay. I think it is very interesting how here we are reading this verse and the English word is the word comforter. And when I think of that, I think of something that is for show, but not really for use. How many times have we grown up in church, or maybe at least the church I grew up in, the Holy Spirit was for show. He wasn't really for use. I mean, we talked about him and he was kind of there, but it was really, he didn't have any interaction with him. We didn't use him. We might talk about him in the doxology, right? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? But we didn't really use him. He was just there for show. I think we lost something in the translation. So here's the Greek word for the English word comforter. It's the Greek word parakaletos, which means someone who's called to be beside you. Someone who's called to be alongside with you. Okay, and to walk with you and to be your friend. Like Pastor Penny was talking about last week. There's someone who's personable and wants to have a relationship with you. Now, here's where we oftentimes, I think, I don't know theology, but our understanding, at least in some way, is wrong because we think, how cool would it be if Jesus were to show up in this place? And we pray, God, show up in this place. God, show up. I need you here. And we think that it'd be great if Jesus were here. But look, the disciples, they were with Jesus and they got it wrong. He would be with them and he would leave them for a moment. And they'd start arguing, wouldn't they? Who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. I'm the best. I'm going to sit at his right hand. I'm the number two man. Come on, I'm the greatest. And then they would mess up with kids and the kids would come to hear Jesus' preaching. They'd say, man, send the kids out of here. What's up with that? And Jesus would say, no, you got it wrong. Let the kids come to me. They were constantly making mistakes. And we think, wow, hey, if Jesus were here with us, it would be better. Now, I'm not minimizing what Jesus did. And we would say, God, it'd be great if Jesus were here. Maybe he would multiply the Chick-fil-A <laughs> on Sunday. I am looking forward to heaven. Come on, somebody. It's going to be Chick-fil-A seven days a week. Christian chicken's going to be in heaven. Let me, let me tell you that right now. 
And we think it'd be cool if Jesus were here because if the dog dies, Jesus will raise Fluffy from the dead. And then if the cat dies, he'll just do the funeral. Come on. I'm just teasing, right? But see, Jesus knew that just him being on earth, he was at one place at one time. And the disciples oftentimes missed it. Jesus' work on this earth was to show us what God was like and to take our sins and die with it and to come to life again so that we could have eternal life. Then he says, I'm going to leave, but don't be troubled because I'm sending the comforter, the parakletos, one who's going to come along with you. And he's the one that's going to teach you and walk with you and show you to have a, how to live a victorious life in Jesus. So, that's what I want to talk about today. How can the Holy Spirit be with us? First of all, let me talk to you about why I think it's so important and why we need the Holy Spirit. Okay, look with me in Galatians chapter 5. And it describes this war, this battle that we have as followers of Christ. This scripture describes it as a sinful nature and then our spirit nature, or our spirit person that lives inside of us, right? The Holy Spirit. And he talks about how there's this battle going on between the two. Look at it in Galatians 5. So I say live by the Spirit. Come on, everybody say Spirit. spirit. Live by the Spirit and then you will not gratify these desires of our sinful nature. Look at it, it says the sinful nature, it desires what is opposite or contrary to the Spirit. And then the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature? It says, look at this, they are in conflict. They are in war, in battle with each other so that you do not do what you want to do. Any of you ever did the very thing you didn't want to do? Come on, anybody here have any sin issues? Come on, raise your hand. Otherwise, your sin issue is you have issues and you don't even know you have issues, right? How many of you sitting next to somebody who's all messed up? Come on, raise your hand. All right, yeah. And have you ever noticed how you make decisions? And I'm not going to do that again. And then you do it again. There's this conflict inside us. The Bible calls it this sinful nature. Okay, let me help you understand this sinful nature. The Bible also describes this sinful nature. And there's three areas or three pulls that the sinful nature has. Look in this next verse. It says, the world it only offers. Our sinful nature, here's the things that it offers. The craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything that we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. Okay, these are three areas. Write, write these in your notes here. You'll see the first one. There's a craving for things that we see. I would describe this as the term idolatry. That's your, your, your blank there, idolatry. Really, what is idolatry, okay? It's simply looking for fulfillment in anything other than God. Isn't it true that there is a part of us that really loves God? Come on, you wouldn't be here if you didn't really love God. Why don't we give God some praise in this place this morning, all right? Yeah. There's this part of you that loves God, right? And then there's another part of you that is drawn to other stuff. And look, God doesn't mind us having other stuff. He just doesn't want the other things in our life to be number one. Here's a great picture of how this happens. Think about in marriage. First get married, that person is number one in your life. And then when you have children, they take on number two. I didn't say they are number two. Don't misunderstand that. They actually take on the number two spot, right? And so the marriage takes number two. Or then if you have another kid, then number three. The priority gets out of order. And you've heard this said. 
about people in marriage before. After years of being married and having children, they say, I don't know what happened. We drifted apart. We don't have anything in common anymore. You know why? Because they didn't make it a priority. That happens in our relationship with God. He doesn't mind us having things. He just wants to be number one in our life. Jesus speaks about this. Look in Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters. Circle that word serve. This word actually means to make something else a priority. No one can have two priorities in their life, he says. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and he'll actually despise the other. And look, real quick, he throws in an example. You cannot serve, you can't have a priority of both God and money. All right, circle the word money in there as well. Notice how it's capitalized. It is not capitalized because I did that. It's capitalized because money takes on the highest priority when we make it the number one objective in our life. And that word there is actually the Greek word mammon, which means looking for achievements or looking for fulfillment or trying to find your needs to be met actually in money rather than God. And so God is saying this, this craving for everything that we need and things that we see that it doesn't matter that we have money and we're successful. God, I believe, wants Christians to be the most successful people, not so they can crave that, but so God can use that in them to actually fulfill the kingdom of God's purpose on this earth. Amen. Come on, Freedom House. Give God some praise for that. Now, let me just, this is a little tip right here, a little side note, okay? How do you know if you have an idolatry for money? What's number one in your life? So I can, I can just ask you a question. When you tithe, when you make God your t- top priority and you give him your first 10%, I can tell you right now that the sinful nature hasn't beat you in your area of money, that you're honoring God by putting him first, all right? So you can't serve both. You can't have two priorities. So that's the first thing with our sinful nature is that when we look for things to fulfill us rather than God, here's the next one, craving to achieve. And this I would call our pride. Really, this is our emotions. This is what we feel on the inside. Have you ever noticed when we come to church how nice you can be to people? You ever notice that? Anybody here ever put on at church before, right? Come on. You, you're on the way over here fighting like cats and dogs. And you get here and it's like, hey. Come on, you ever done that before? Raise your, it's a good place to confess. Come on, it's all right. Let me just tell you, it happens to pastors too, by the way, <laughs> especially on Sunday mornings, right? Trying to go preach the word of God. <laughs> then what happens? You, you, you come in here and all of a sudden you get in God's presence and the Holy Spirit and God starts doing a work on you and, and you start feeling different. And then you leave this place and you ain't even out of the parking lot yet. And you already mad at people in the parking lot. Come on. They have cameras out there. They watch you. I know. And so, so we have this thing inside of us that, that the Holy Spirit wants to control our lives, but we also have this other force, this other thing on the inside of us that causes our emotions sometimes to go the wrong direction. Here's the next one, craving for pleasure. I call this lust. Now, this isn't strictly sexual, although it does include that. It simply means letting your body control you. Whatever makes you feel good that's what I want to do. And, and we come to church and we get in this place of worship and in God's presence here. 
and, and we just feel different. You ever notice how easy it is to control your thoughts and your emotions when you're here in this place of worship? And if you ever notice that sometimes we call this room right here that we worship in, we even call it a, a sanctuary. Like this is a holy place. Let me just help you understand something. This is not a holy place. This is just bricks and mortar and dirt and buildings, okay? But God designed you and I to be a holy place. He created you and I. Yeah, come on, y'all give God some praise. He created you and I to be a sanctuary, a temple for God's presence. Let me look at this verse. Look at this next one. It says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He is in you whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor. Everybody say honor. Honor, honor God with your body. What if we treated our bodies like we treated this place? Think about it. We come in here and we give God the highest priority. Say, God, I don't want any of that stuff in the world. I got to leave that out there because God, it distracts me and we can't wait to get to Sunday morning. And we come here and we worship God. And that's why we feel so encouraged and empowered by the Holy Spirit because we give God priority in our lives. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could do that all the time? But see, we leave here and we battle that sinful nature and, and we get we get tired and worn out because we're fighting and we're trying to do it all on our own. And you're like, man, I can't wait to get back to church because, man, I need, I need God's presence in my life. Well, you can have that every day of your life. Remember, Jesus said, I'm sending you that comforter, that paracletos. He's going to come and he's going to walk with you. That third man, he's going to be with you all the time. In fact, this message today is dedicated to those of you who are worn out and tired of struggling and you want to do what is right and then you can't and you find this war going on inside of you and perhaps you're ready to give up today this message is dedicated to you okay let me let me ask you a question have you ever seen someone before and when they go through things or the way that they live their Christian life you look at them and you go they seem to have something that I don't have when they're going through difficulties they kind of seem to have this peace they kind of seem to have this surety that everything is going to be okay. And you go, man, when I go through stuff, I wish I could be like that. Or maybe they, they, they're talking to you about life and, and the Bible just seems to come out of their mouth and they, they know the word of God and they, there's something about them that they just kind of carry themselves in a different way. And you go, what is different about them? Do they have some kind of a power that I don't have? Let me tell you the secret to it. Come on, Freedom House. This right here is going to help you. They have something because they are more surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit, perhaps, than we are in some areas of our life. And God is no respecter of a person that whatever someone else is walking in, you can walk in it too. So let me tell you the secret to being an overcomer for this sinful nature we're talking about. It is not trying harder. It's surrendering more. Come on, y'all give God some praise for that. So that's why I say this message is dedicated to those of you who are struggling because today is going to be a chance for you. Now that you know this sinful nature and this thing that it's trying to pull you towards, we're going to surrender to the Holy Spirit, to the third man, and then he's going to walk with us and empower us to be that Christian, that Christ follower. So the Holy Spirit with me. I want to give you this scripture. Look at this verse. It's in Ezekiel. 
right? Now, Ezekiel, let me, let me give you real quick. I want you to understand this theologically. Okay, Ezekiel is in the Old Testament, okay? Then the Old Testament, the way the Holy Spirit worked is he would come and he would drop on people for a moment and then he would leave. He would drop on people. Think of someone like Samson, for example. Remember, he had great strength. Well, the Holy Spirit would come on him and he would overcome the Philistines or the difficulties in life and then the Holy Spirit would leave him. Now, this prophecy or this scripture we're gonna read in Ezekiel is actually a prophecy about the New Testament, the life that we're living in. Because Jesus would come, take the penalty of our sin, and then he would send the Holy Spirit and he wouldn't just come and leave, he would actually come and live in us, all right? And so this scripture is a prophecy about the days that you and I are living in. The times where the Holy Spirit would come and be a parakaletos and walk with us and be with us all the time. He just wouldn't come and just leave. Okay, now notice what this verse says. I will give you, when the Holy Spirit comes, when the comforter comes, I'm gonna give you a new heart and I'm gonna put a new spirit, I'm gonna do it in you, right? And then I will remove from you this heart of stone. In other words, your bitterness and your hard heart and this thing that you're struggling with, and I'm gonna give you this heart of flesh. In other words, a, a heart that is moldable and pliable and, and leaning in towards God. And he says, I will put my spirit in you and he will move you. Circle those two words, move you. And they're going to move you or he's going to move you to follow all of my commands and my decrees and you will be able to keep my laws. Now, those two words move you is actually the Hebrew words and they mean to produce or to accomplish something. See, the Holy Spirit's job is to come and to live with us and he is going to produce these things in our life. Look, we can't do it on our own. You can try it externally all you want, but what if the Holy Spirit did a work inside you and then once he did a work on inside you, then on the outside you'd be different, right? So instead of trying to be different on the outside, it would happen on the inside. All right, let's talk about how that can happen in your life. How can the Holy Spirit work with me and inside me like that? First, what you have to do is invite the Holy Spirit to show me. Look, you can't change what you can't see. But some of you have issues and you don't even know what those issues are. And we all have blind spots. Did you know that? All right, look, my rental car while I'm here is the weirdest thing ever. It's a rental car now and it does not have a backup camera. And I'm going to tell you, I forgot how to drive without a camera. Like you got to turn around and actually look behind you and see what's going on. It's freaky. It's scary driving a car without a rear view camera like that, right? And so I can't see things that I normally see because I don't have the camera. See, the Holy Spirit will help you see things that you normally wouldn't see. That's his job. And you can keep living life with a less than of the equipment or you can invite the Holy Spirit to live in you and he can turn that camera on and you can see things that you wouldn't normally see. But you, you have to invite him. You have to know the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. All right, he didn't force his way into anything. That's why I started this with invite. You have to invite the Holy Spirit to show you. Look at this verse in Psalm says, search me. Circle that word search. It means actually to explore. What would happen in our lives, Freedom House, if we asked the Holy Spirit to explore our lives? 
and just look around in our life at things that are going to help us to see things that we wouldn't normally see. Then it goes on to say, search me, O God, and to know my heart, test me. Circle those two words, test me. It means actually to purify. It doesn't mean like, you know, God put me at a test and let me see if I can pass and know purify me. In other words, take the things in my life that do not glorify you or do not help me, God. Purify those things out of my life so I can be better equipped to see you and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's an offensive way in me. And then it says, then you can lead me in the way of everlasting life. You know, I think that we can handle our walk with God in two ways. Uh, The word conviction is, is sometimes a dirty word today in Christian church. Oh, I don't want to feel convicted. Oh, I don't want to feel bad. No, conviction is a good thing because when you feel convicted, you can do one of two things. You can run from it or you can run to it because the Holy Spirit's job is to convict you of things in your life, to show you things in your life that are keeping you from all that God has for you. And you can either say, well, I feel bad about it. And so that's why some of you don't even come to church sometimes. You're going through a difficulty in life and you know you should be here, but you're like, well, I don't want to go because you feel so bad. So you're actually pushing the Holy Spirit away rather than allowing him to purify you to test those things and to clean those things out so you can serve God in a better way, right? So I would tell you, don't run from the Holy Spirit and from God in those moments. Run to him. And that's how you can be a person that is completely empowered by the Holy Spirit to overcome those sin and temptations and the pull of your sinful nature. Okay, so invite the Holy Spirit to show you. The second one is invite the Holy Spirit to change me. Look, you you can't do it on your own. All right, look at at this verse. We're going to study this for a couple of moments. It's in Psalm 51. Let me set up for you what's happening here. Psalm 51 is written by King David, okay? You know the story of David and Bathsheba, right? So David is at his palace, and he sees this woman bathing. He's like, whoo, she's fine, all right? So he calls her over to the house. He has an affair with her. She gets pregnant. Well, she's married to one of his, his main dudes out on the battlefield. So he says, hey, kill him so I can try to cover up this sin. You got to understand what's happening. David was doing exactly what we do all the time. He sinned. He's trying to cover it up. He's trying to run from it rather than allow the God to change him on the inside. And he keeps trying to cover it up. Then finally, the man of God, the prophet comes to him and says, what you're doing, David, is a bad thing. You better straighten up. And David, who is called a man after God's own heart, not because he didn't sin, but what, what did he do when he did sin? So he gets caught and he writes Psalm 51. Whoa, man, this is him inviting the Holy Spirit to change him. He says, create in me a pure heart. Oh, Freedom House, that's all you have to do. When you feel convicted, don't run from God. God, create in me this heart that is pure. And he said, oh God, renew my steadfast spirit in me. And don't cast me from your presence. And whatever you do, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. Let me tell you guys a little bit about my life. See, when I was uh, younger and then when I graduated high school, I'm originally from Louisiana. Amy and I, my wife and I moved to Florida. We started Bayside 15 years ago, actually on the very same day that you guys started Freedom House. So, uh, So we'll be celebrating 16 years this year. But I'm from Louisiana. 
When I uh, got into, into high school years and even in middle school, I had a lot of things in my family that really hurt me and really contaminated my heart. I had a lot of anger and unforgiveness in my heart, mainly towards my father. I literally, I, I hated him. And that anger drove me to very unhealthy things. When I went off to college, I went to LSU, go Tigers. <laughs> I know there's no LSU fans around here, that's okay, all right. This is a basketball country. I get it. Okay. All right. So um, I just got into all kinds of drugs and alcohol. In fact, there was one day that I was so just after the things of this earth that I overdosed on drugs. And when I was rushed to the hospital, there was no life in me. And somehow my friends were at least sober enough to call my, my mother and my brother and they went to the church and they started praying and they started a prayer chain praying for me 24 seven. And God gave me life again, Freedom House Church. I didn't die that day. Somehow God brought life back into my body. And then they said, well, you know what? He is gonna live, but because of what happened, he's gonna have brain damage the rest of his life. Now, some people would say I still have brain damage, okay? <laughs> but doctor's report says I'm about as good as a Cajun as you can get, all right? So they said his brain is okay, but his liver has been damaged. It'll never function properly. And it ultimately, you know, because he can't get rid of the toxins and things, he's going to die from liver disease. And my liver is totally okay. Come on, God did a full work in me. Now, you would think at that moment, that'd be a really good time for anybody to give their life to Jesus Christ. Don't you think, right? but no, I'm too stupid. I didn't serve God even after that. I went to drug rehab. I spent 31 days in a facility in Houston, Texas. Uh, I'm not against those things. Here's what I ultimately am trying to tell you. I tried everything that I could to externally be different. I'm not gonna do those drugs again. And I'm not gonna be angry anymore. And I'm gonna be nice. And I'm not gonna do those things anymore, only to do them again. That's why this message is dedicated to those of you who are struggling and worn out and tired because I've been there, church. I know what it's all about. But let me tell you something. Let me give you the good news. On January 30th of 1992, about two and a half years after my overdose, I made a decision that I was not gonna live for Randy anymore, but I was gonna surrender to the work of what Jesus did on the cross. I was gonna let the Holy Spirit empower me. And let me tell you something, I've been free ever since then. I've never had another drink, another cigarette, no more alcohol, no more drugs. Come on, church, give God some praise. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you're here today and you're worn out and you're tired. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to live that way. I'm all for 12-step programs and all that stuff but only the Holy Spirit can purify you. Only he can create that spirit inside you to follow after God. So what's the last thing I wanna leave you with? You need to invite the Holy Spirit to fill me. Right, he can show you. Don't run from conviction, church. Follow me, okay? Don't run from it. He's trying to show you something. Then allow him to actually change you and then you need to every day invite the Holy Spirit to fill you. Now, let's read this verse right here and I'll explain to you what I mean here. In Ephesians 5, it says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. 
Instead, be filled. Everybody say filled. Filled filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it says there, it has a couple of words, uh, drunkenness. And that just simply means this, that being living a life out of control. Okay, that's what this is representing. And debauchery means living a life in excess of anything. Okay, when you and I try to live our lives without being filled with the Holy Spirit, our lives are going to be out of control and we're going to be excessive in the wrong things. Now, this word filled, it actually means a complete renewal on an everyday basis. That means what happened to me on January 30th of 1992 when I surrendered my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and I asked the Holy Spirit to fill me on January 31st of 1992, you know what I had to do? I had to wake up and I say, Holy Spirit, today I need you to fill me because I know what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to be excessive in some really dumb things. But if I surrender to you and you fill me, then I can live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I've done that every day of my life since then. And that is the reason why, not because I'm strong and I'm like really strong-willed, and I made a decision, I'm gonna be free. It's actually because I surrendered more. I didn't try harder. And the Holy Spirit has filled me. And look at this verse in Romans. It says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. I was weak, oh, but now I'm strong. The last thing you're gonna have to worry about is me getting hooked on drugs and alcohol again because I've surrendered to him more in that area. So what area do you need to surrender to him more in? Look, here's the final thought. Look at this. I want you to get this last blank. The goal of the Holy Spirit is to develop a Holy Spirit in me. Come on, that's his job. You want to be holier? You want to be more equipped to follow the Lord? That's the Holy Spirit's job. So don't run from him, run to him. Let him search you. Let him purify you. And every day ask him to fill you so you can live the life that God has called you to in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray. God, I thank you that you love us so much that you'd be willing to bring us here today to hear this word. And those here today, listening online or right here in this campus, God, that are worn out and they're struggling and they're tired of trying to do it on their own. Today we say, all right, we surrender. Holy Spirit, you do the work. You're called to be the the, the person who walks here with us. So empower us to live this life, a victorious life as a Christ follower. So we're not going to try harder. We're going to surrender more. And you're going to do something on the inside. And we're going to be different on the outside. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God some praise.